Good morning and it's good to be here. It's been a good service. Um, we have been working through the book of Romans and we'll continue so this morning. It's an extraordinary book, a really powerful book. Um, not powerful or extraordinary because Paul is powerful or extraordinary but because obviously God is powerful and God is extraordinary. And at the beginning of the letter, uh, Garth shared his favourite verse and it's the verse that Paul kick-starts the book of Romans with, that I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation to all who believe in it by faith. And from that verse, Paul goes on to talk about the theology of Christianity and what exactly we believe in as Christians. And up until chapter 12, he talks about the things we've already looked at and we'll look at this morning. Uh, God's hatred towards sin, his wrath towards sin, his anger for it, uh, the way that we are made right with God and brought into relationship with God and being justified by faith and Brett was talking about being sanctified by faith and this morning we're looking at being dead to the law and rescued in Christ. Later on we'll hear more, I think, I uh, can't remember who's coming for the month, uh, in David Wilson, I think, is taking from 12 onwards, I think. And they're fantastic verses about the practicality of the Christian life and what that relationship that God has brought us into um, then actually looks, at, looks like in my life as a Christian. But the first thing I want to look at this morning when Paul first writes to the, in, in this section of Romans and he says to them, Now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, and it seems to give it context for the what he's about to tell them. So I think it's important this morning that we look a little bit at what is the law that he's talking about and why was it given, what was its purpose. The Israelites were God's chosen people. They were set apart by God for a purpose. That purpose was that God would use them, use their lives, the communities where they lived, wherever they were, God would use them to reach out to the rest of the world, to other nations the people would see the nation of Israel and they would see what God is like. They would know of God's power because of the, the way that they obeyed God and God would use them to display his power and love and everything to the other nations. So it was a, a purpose which God chose for Israel and in wanting to reveal himself through Israel, he re- had to reveal himself to Israel So the law of God was given through Moses, the 613 laws that I'm sure you all know off by heart, uh, was given to Moses and they were paraphrased down into Ten Commandments which you probably will know off by heart. And of course four of those, as you probably know, have to do about their relationship with God and six about their relationship with others. Yet these commandments and laws are much more than just directives They're much more than just laws. They're much more than just boundaries. They're a direct revelation of the nature of God, of who he is. In Exodus 34, 14, it says there, you must worship no other gods. For the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. Having two little girls as absolutely changed our life in more ways than one. Um, we 
as, as a father, and I'm sure as fathers and parents would know what I'm talking about, the love that has just grown in my heart, like for my kids, and they're only two and a half and five months, six months soon, it's unique. It's, it's different to any love that you have for uh, your wife or your uh, brothers or friends and family. It is um, unique and it's big and it's life-changing. It has been for me and it, it, it puts you in a place where a vulnerability as well and at the moment Mackenzie starts to talk you know, and she says things to me like, Daddy, I love you. Or it's really like, Daddy, I love you, like that. But <laughs> I, I, it, it just makes me melt, you know, and I, and I get into this place and luckily she's not old enough to abuse this power she has over me at the moment. <laughs> but I'm ready to do anything for her. Like I'm just in a place to give her whatever she wants. So. It's this love that is just amazing. But I've been speaking to a couple of other people here. It's amazing how many people, parents there are here that have two daughters, there's quite a few. So I've been able to get some um, insight into what happens when they hit teenage years, uh, Raf. And uh, I've been brought back to the ground that the feelings can differ uh, <laughs> when they get to that age. But, but our God who created us, who has a love for us that is unimaginable beyond what we can love, as much as we can love, it's beyond what we can love, it's the perfect love commands to us you must worship no other God. And as I said earlier, it's not just a rule but a description of God that he is jealous over us. He is jealous over us. His desire to not only just be our saviour but also our Lord and Lord of our life and in declaring that to us and that command, he wants to see us place a priority on our relationship with him. He wants us to be, have nothing else in our life that is more time-consuming or precious, nothing else that takes over control of our lives more than our relationship with God. And so through the law comes perfection and we see perfection, the ultimate standard for living. And as a consequence of that, sin in us is revealed. As Paul says in verse 7, we read that, I would never have known what coveting, that coveting is wrong if the law had said do not covet. So the law reveals what is perfect and in us reveals the sin in us for all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. So in this section of Paul's letter to the Christian, the Roman Christians, sorry, um, both Jews and uh, Greeks alike and Gentiles, he addresses this issue of being no longer being bound to the law. That since Jesus has come, died and rose again, as believers... You're no longer bound to the law but there is a new covenant in place, a new agreement in place between you and God. And the illustration he gave was just as a woman who is no longer bound to the law of marriage when her husband dies, the same goes for you. You are no longer bound to the power of the law when you died with Christ. 
that is that the law reveals the sin and control in our life but when you believe in faith that Jesus died and that he saved you from your sin you accepted him as Lord and Saviour he promises to live in you he promises to take control of your life if you surrender to him and he promises to be in every thought in every action in every decision that you make he promises to come in and be in close relationship with you when Jesus said he came to fulfil the law and not abolish it he showed us that he is God everything that is revealed about God to the Israelites that was to be carried out through their lives to the people around them through the law that God laid out for them everything that was revealed to them is seen in Jesus and that's what he's talking about when he didn't come to abolish the law the law is good, it's spiritual he came to fulfil it because Jesus is God and now that perfect and holy character and nature of God is made available to us in a new way and it's not made available in obedience to any set of laws and regulations because we are no longer bound to the power of the law but in verse 6 it says we serve God by living in the spirit uh, Nathan Potts shared a few weeks ago I'm pretty sure it was Nathan he, he shared about uh, that faith uh, sorry that the law sorry the law had men attempting to live out God's holiness mm. that it's something you know we do but faith is God revealing his holiness through us and it's not something we do but it's what God does so living in the spirit is allowing God to be in control of our lives you see God has chosen a new way to reach the nations of the world before God left before Jesus left earth uh, he said in Matthew 28 18 to 20 you know it well all authority in heaven has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them all I have commanded you and surely I am with you always till the end of the age. How is he with us? He promises to abide in us and live in us and be in control of us. The very nature of God that is love, his forgiveness, everything that he displayed here on earth would become true in our lives that's how we're reaching out that's how we're telling others about Jesus not just by this one but by what they're seeing in our lives Romans 8 and 29 and again like you and said I don't want to take from next week's sermon but it was just appropriate it says there that God this is my paraphrase God chose me to become like Jesus that I'm chosen by God I didn't choose he chose me to become like Jesus that I mean you can think about that for years and not fully grasp what it means it, but this morning I want to tell you that the most important thing about that verse is that there is no greater purpose or identity 
than the one God has for you. And you can, there's so many help books about and, and, and philosophies about what is life, what are you going to do with the 70, 80 years, whatever you have on planet Earth and what, is, you know, what are you going to fulfil yourself with and, and, and what are you going to identify yourself to. But there is no greater purpose or identity found than the one God has and that is that you would become like Jesus Christ. It is a mighty challenge to live in the Spirit. It's a mighty challenge for us this morning to give control of our lives to God that he would carry out his purpose in us. And so verse 14 of chapter 7 comes and Paul moves into this area of struggling with sin. I just want to touch on four points uh, from, from these verses and he starts in 14 by saying the trouble is not with the law for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. It's nice to hear someone actually take some responsibility for their actions. It's, uh, it, from Adam and Eve it's been the greatest excuse for us to be able to say it's someone else's fault. Oh, I didn't do it. Oh, it's uh, very common in the workplace and now we have lots of CCTV uh, around our cafe and um, it's amazing the truth you can get from people when you say, oh, we'll just check the cameras. <laughs> oh, oh, but I didn't mean to do it. Um, the first point from I just want to say is this one, it's a basic one, it's, it's a simple one but it has meaning, it's believers still sin. Paul is talking of his struggle with sin. He's not looking at life before God as a Pharisee, uh, one that when he was persecuting Christians, he's, he's not talking about that experience of his life. And I don't think he's talking about a specific time in his Christian life where he was struggling and, and it was far away from God and, and it was just an area for a month or so. And I don't think he's talking about that. I think he's talking specifically, not specifically, I think he's giving an insight into the Christian life. And whether it's been one week or a hundred years, I don't know if Rob... Rob Willard, is he here? Hundred I don't know what it's like trying to be crazy. He's not here. I can get away with it. The next oldest person I know is Garth, so <laughs> pick on Garth. You only have to ask someone who's been a Christian a long time that the struggle doesn't go away with sin when you're an older person, when you've been a Christian for a long time. Even though you know what is right, you do wrong. Even when you want to do what is right, you still fail and you still do wrong. Even when you hate the desire that is burning inside you to do it, you still do it. But in giving our lives to God, secondly, the second point is that the Holy Spirit brings a new attitude. Sin is no longer something that just you think about that just affects religious people. 
Sin is not something that is just when you hurt someone or something. There is an understanding that the Holy Spirit brings to us when he comes and lives in us. And that's what Paul talks about here, that he does the things that he hates and that he knows that he's wrong. And we have a new attitude which hates the sin that we can easily fall into, that hates what it does to our fellowship with God, that it hates what it does to our relationships with each other. Uh, A number of years ago I shared similar things with a, a friend of mine who gave me some advice and, and some encouragement and it could be an encouragement to you this morning. That recognising sin in your life and looking to do something about it you know, is first and foremost a great sign that God is present in your life. And when God is present, he gives us his Holy Spirit to come and live in us and he brings with it a new attitude towards sin that we recognise what is wrong. We understand the sin in our life and our struggles. We see that God hates it and we form a new attitude towards sin that we hate it, that we hate what it does to us. God's grace and his presence is recognisable by this sort of attitude. Thirdly, I don't want to harp on about too much of a negative message this morning but it's the truth and it's here and we have positive news to come as well but the Christian life is a struggle. The Christian life is a struggle. From when the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to what sin is at the very beginning of our Christian walk till the day that we die, it's a battle. Just recently in small group, just the last Wednesday, I'm not sure where you're up to in your books, um, we just finished, I think it was was chapter 4, which was dealing with Romans 5 and we were at the end just praying about... um, some struggles with in our Christian life. So I'm not sure if you've done the same thing. Um, but the things that we shared, and I'm sure some of the things that you shared were perhaps just scratching the surface. If you're anything like me, and I'm sure you're sitting there saying, saying thank you, I'm not, but you won't need much time. to know what your struggle is. And I'm not talking about the person sitting next to you or your partner or your children or your friends, uh, but your struggle. What is your struggle? What is the thing that you hate to do but you still do it? The stuff that you know is wrong but you still find yourself doing it. You know what the right thing is to do now because the Holy Spirit lives in you but you still find yourself doing the wrong thing. And today perhaps you find yourself far from God's happiness and the peace that comes when you're walking close with him. Or perhaps you're buried in in guilt that 
nobody knows about what's going on in my life. No one knows about the stuff I'm struggling with or dealing with. Maybe there's sin that you're just realising you're too easily giving into. But no matter the circumstances this morning, that's irrelevant. No matter how bad you're feeling this morning or how far away from God you're feeling this morning or how low you feel you've gone, no matter how wretched you feel, this morning you can know this and it's Paul's response that Jesus Christ is the answer. Only by bringing your sin before God in the knowledge of what we've spoken about earlier in the few weeks leading into this about Romans that we are forgiven, that God's wonderful grace and forgiveness is made known to us richly, uh, abundantly. It never runs out. And when we come before God with our sin, we know that we're forgiven that we're made right with him. And it's the only way we'll enjoy the peace of God. It's the only way we'll enjoy happiness and the joy that the Christian life can bring. And while there is a continuous struggle, while there is a continuous struggle with the things that we're dealing with day by day, there is continuous victory. Continuous victory. Victory that saved us from hell to heaven. But not only that, it's victory that brings us into a relationship with God where we are presented to God through the shed blood of Jesus as holy and blameless. Isn't that just an amazing thought? That Josh Davies can be seen by God as holy and blameless. Victory this morning that brings Jesus into our life that we would not be dominated by sin anymore but we would be dominated and controlled by the Lord Jesus Christ. That he would change us day by day to become like him and that that would be a fantastic witness to the people around us to say, I want that. Lord and God, we are grateful for your word and its truth and your Holy Spirit who reveals it to us. Lord, may we be encouraged this morning. May we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice that you would be changing us day by day. Lord, you are the potter and we are the clay. Would we surrender ourselves this morning, confess our sin and be prepared to be moulded by you into the likeness of Jesus for this is your purpose for our lives here on earth and we pray it would be true in each and every one of us here this morning. In Jesus' name and for his glory we pray these things. Amen.